Goliath, right? This is, Kalish exists, and it is the 10th of the 1st, 2020, just about, okay? I'm recording this late, just got off the train, just got back to Southampton. I'm staying with my family for the weekend, right? And I'm talking very softly, because everyone's in bed, and I don't want to wake them up with me shouting and jabbering and saying loads of crazy shit. So, I'm very, I'm close to the mic, so you should still hear me. It'll be loud, right? Because of the magic of technology. But I'll be speaking very softly. <laughs> Some soft turns. Yeah, maybe I'll do a bit of Barry White for you later, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, do you know what I realised? I think there's two sides to me in this podcast at the moment. Right? I'm either Mr. Rogers or Mr. Robot. <laughs> right? I'm either, I love you just the way you are. Or I'm, um, you know, destroy the whole world. Oh, it has to go down. It's evil. It has to be taken down brick by brick. Smash it up. Start again. Or it's like, hi, neighbor. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about what happened to me on the way here, right? And it includes me thinking about death on the tube and then trying to stop a potentially aggressive argument between a bus driver and a passenger on a bus. It's all happened on the way here, not that long ago. I know what you're thinking. Oh, we got Mr. Robot College coming on, talking about death and how crap things are. No, it's going to be Mr. Rogers College. Yeah, right. So I'm going to talk about death. And if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not in the mood for anything morbid or anything, which I understand, it's not going to be that at all. Stuff that I was thinking that helped me, I think it's positive. This is going to try me. So I don't think it's going to bum you out at all. I hope not. That's not the intention of it. Um, it will either make you go, oh, that's quite nice. That's quite useful. Or, what a bunch of everything nonsense this fucking Cali is talking about. I prefer them with you shouting about the monarchy. <laughs> you might go, He's talking bollocks, which is fair, you can. Whatever you feel, feel it, you know. But I'm saying it because it kind of helped me. You light me up a little bit and it might help you. Or it might not. You might think it's shit. But then you can go, oh, do you want to know the bunch of crap philosophy Khalees said the other night, right? You might get a laugh over it. So either way, could be useful. I start with my philosophy, right, on the tube. All right, sit through that, and then like you get a bit of suspense, bit of action, right? Me trying to stop a conflict, you know, walking from town to town like I'm some sort of cowboy. At least that's my dream, isn't it? So it's all the tube thinking about death. Um, <laughs> don't worry, this is positive. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, on the tube, I was thinking because it's ah, oh, it's a fuck it, it's shit. I know that probably underestimated say a little bit but simple say it's shit and I was thinking about you know people I miss and I was thinking about how someone's never really gone I know it's a cliche I personally don't believe in a literal afterlife um, but if you do that's cool you know 
I don't really mind. Whatever you think, we're just trying to get on with lives, right? And we're just trying to make sense of it. We all do it in different ways. And I think however it works for you, as long as you're not hurting yourself or using it to attack others, you know? This is a thing for yourself. It's not, you don't hit people around the head with it. Then, you know, whatever works. Uh, yeah, I don't really believe in a physical afterlife. But I was thinking about, is there a philosophical one? Right, this is the part where you might start going, oh, we got a bunch of bullshit. Um, you know, maybe just not ready for an adult conversation yet. No, <laughs> no, I just share thoughts, don't I? And I was thinking about my granddad. My granddad was a great guy. I think he's why I do comedy. He was such a funny guy. And I mean, he used to tell me these jokes as a kid, you know, old jokes. And then I would try and. Every time he came down from Liverpool on the Merseyside, he'd come and tell me a joke. And so in between, I'd try and learn one and tell him. So we'd swap jokes. And he was a guy, you know, he maybe lost his temper now and then, not really much. Okay, well, but the thing is, even after that, he'd always try and see the other person's side of things, right? I remember once he lost a wallet. Um, it was stolen um, in a pub. He was a pensioner, you know, he was old then, didn't have a lot of money. I remember he said to me, he said, I just hope whoever has it needs it more than I do. Oh, that's just beautiful, isn't it? You know, oh man, doesn't have much money, probably worried, but he's think, you know, if it has gone and someone else has got it, I hope they need it more than I do. And I miss him. And I often think about, you know, I wish he could see me doing stand-up. I wish he could see me. Growing up, being older, my first girlfriend, he died when I was about 15. But then, I also think, wait, he's not gone, is he? Because I'm telling you this story, I tell other people's stories about it. When I think about him, I feel happy, you know? There's times, there's that pain of missing someone. When I have to think that pain, although it hurts and it can be a really fucking horrible thing to hold on to, it's a mark, right? Well, that pain really is. It's your body telling you, you met someone special, you knew someone special, you knew someone good. Someone who made you feel good. And that's what hurts, right? But in the same way, it also makes you realise all the good things about someone. Because often, you know, you love someone, but you know, sometimes someone gets on your nerves, it doesn't matter what it is. Then they pass and things are different. It's a bit like, uh, you know when... <laughs> You see those stories where it's like, um, this family went through their attic and they found some, like, they found a lot of crap and then, like, a 15 million pound painting it was just sitting there and everyone always just thought it was a bit of rubbish. Turns out it was a missing Rembrandt or whatever. And then you sort of go, oh, you lucky bastard, and you start going through your attic. <laughs> You're like, all I've got is old fucking newspapers from 20 years ago. I don't even know where I got them and some videotapes. There's no Rembrandts in here. <laughs> Well, that's kind of what happens with a person though, isn't it? And they, when they pass, you look, it's, and you look back at a good person, you look through, and you see, you see the Rembrandt, right? And all that other stuff doesn't seem like much. It falls away. All the little problems you may have had with them, whenever it's a really good person, that stuff falls away. You just see the Rembrandt. You know those families you've found a Rembrandt, right? Even if, if they'd gone through an attic and they found 45 dead rats, a corner full of 
shit and 22 Gary Glitter albums, right? They're not thinking about that. They're going, there's a fucking Rembrandt in there. Look at that stuff. That's the thing. You see that in a person. They finally sort of, what they really are, comes to light. And you remember that stuff. And that's what's kind of beautiful. Because sometimes to really know how good something is, you have to go to the end. I've started loads of books. I go, oh, those are good. But the ones you talk about are the ones you read and you wish it had an end, you know? You have to get those books where you get into the last few pages and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to read these pages because I don't want to end. But that doesn't. And you're like, oh, I've read it now. I can't experience it again. But you talk about that book more than anything else. You tell other people, oh, you've got to read this. Or, oh, I felt like this. And I, read it. I love this bit. I love that bit. And that's kind of the great thing is when people pass like that, they actually they become something bigger. They spread because you see them for what they really are and that brings up, you know, you remember what you liked about that person and that helps that shine in you in some ways. Whatever it is, maybe they made you laugh. Maybe they're always there when you, you know, need to be cheer up or whatever. And by remembering that person, it comes with a lot of pain because you miss them. But it also, it's, to me, that pain is also a mark of those good things be really becoming part of you. They're in you now and you they spread, right? Maybe something they did for you puts you in a good mood. And then, you're, you know, you think about that and you do something good for someone else. My example is, if you've ever laughed at anything I've said, hope you have. If you, if you haven't, I don't know really why you're listening to this. Maybe you're listening to it going, this guy's awful and it makes me feel like I'm better. Maybe if that helps, do it. <laughs> but if I've ever made you laugh, that's a seed my granddad put there, right? He got me into that. He got me into that way of thinking. A lot of his, my humour is from him. So in a way, you know, you know, if I've ever made you laugh and I'm glad, that's, you're, you're buying into a fruit from a seed he planted, right? Bit of a sort of on-the-nose bit of imagery there, but kind of sums it up for me. Do you know maybe you uh, tell a story to someone and they're not there anymore and you have these stories and you say it to them. The, what's great is they get the pureness of that person, right? You tell a story that's funny or sort of caring about them and that's what they know of them. They didn't get all the other baggage because there's something bigger now. And that spreads on. And maybe, at least subconsciously, when they think of good things themselves, maybe that story will come up. Same thing if you're an arsehole, right? <laughs> if you've been an arsehole to people, a malicious person, and you pass and people are just like, right, you know, it's dick on you. People are just going to go, oh, he was a dick. Because all, all they know is that story. So... <laughs> That's also, you know, if you're an ass, bear in mind, even if you don't believe in hell, <laughs> you will be a symbol of shitness to people. People go, yeah, do you want to know who a prick is? Yeah, my old my Uncle Frank, right bastard. When I think of bastards, I think of him. <laughs> and that pain we feel, right, when we miss someone great, is a reminder of all the things we missed. And all the things we value in people. 
that reminds us to spread that to other people. Be like, right, he did that, so I want to try and do that too, even if it's not on a conscious level of, this is what he used to do, so I'm going to try and do it. Maybe it's just, you learned that from him. When you do something great to other people, that's from them. Maybe they don't know, but it's, it's still them. It's still seeds being planted. And um, please excuse this Star Wars analogy, right? But you know when Obi-Wan Kenobi dies? And he's like, you've dragged me down now, Darth. I've become more powerful than you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's kind of true, though. Because someone passes away. You sort of... They become a story and that's almost bigger. They become all the great things about them. All the other things become less important. And it's like that end where you finally realise who they were. And you get to spread that. And one person, when they pass, is horrible. It's a big hole, but it also also fills a lot of holes. It sounds, uh, it sounds clumsy analogies all over the place. Right? Get your mind out the bloody gutter. It's out of the end where the great things about them spreads. It goes to other people. And you can, do you know what's great when you can, someone you really love, and you and they may, they're not there anymore, but you see bits of them in yourself, like I do when I'm doing jokes and stuff. I see him there, and it's great. Because I realise that's what it's all about. This person is one thing. They go, and they don't disappear, they scatter. They may seem like gone, but they're not. They spread all different people and they become bigger than what's one person that when you saw, you've, you know, you just thought about them and enjoying it, but now they're gone. Actually, it spreads, it becomes bigger. It goes into different people. And because you miss them, you remember those things more. And I'm repeating myself a little bit. This is all a bit waffly, right? So if you listen to all of this, thanks. It's a bit waffly, (laughs) I'll give you that. Uh, And if like, oh God, well, he's become some sort of preacher. Don't worry, we'll get back to silliness in a moment. Here's what seems like a weird example, right? Um, Do you remember George Michael, right? The last few years of his life, he became, you know, people joked about him a lot. He wasn't really doing big gigs anymore. and People didn't really respect him. What was really interesting, it sort of amazed me, when he passed away, all these people started talking about how much they loved him, how much they loved their music. There's all these people came up with these stories about, um, there was a woman who was in the cafe and she was talking to her mum about these money problems they were having and he just happened to be in there. He came over and wrote them a check and there was all these nice things that came out afterwards. And that sort of, yeah, afterwards, they sort of, their best bits shine. And you forget all the best bits, and that's what's kind of great about them, about it. So, although it's painful, just kind of remember if you are going through that, that that pain shows that you met someone brilliant, and that that, that pain is your body processing it and allowing it to become part of you. So they're not gone. That pain has then become a part of you now, and other people who are also sharing it. This one person has become many. They've become a good feeling. That smile that you have that puts you in a good mood and you spreads to someone else. So there you go. <laughs> uh, there's my sort of late night cheap philosophy. 
Right, now let's get, I promised a bit of action, right? And I was in that mindset. And it, it got me in the computer. I, you know, got off the tube, I was in Waterloo, skipping about. You know, went to get a sandwich from Costa, the car the counter, and I was like, hey, how you doing? Smiling away, making jokes, making him happy. And I was like, yeah, let's fucking spread the happiness, man. <laughs> but I am no fucking hippie, all right? Do you dare call me a hippie? And then, <laughs> all right. And then I was walking outside. I had to wait for my train, so I was just walking outside, getting a bit of air. There was a bus. It looked like it was. Um, all the lights were off. It looked like bus wasn't running or something. The doors were open. I could hear shouting. And all these people were just going, "Oh, that's terrible!" And sort of walking by. There was some sort of commotion going on the bus. Bus driver's shouting, sounded really angry, and the other guy was shouting back. And he hear the bus driver going, "I got the police! Get off the bus! Get off the bus!" And at first I thought, oh, is this some guy who didn't pay or someone has been aggressive? And I, I walked up to the to the bus and went to the bus driver and I was like, you all right? Hoping, let's be honest, I was hoping to go, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay, I asked. I don't have to do anything. I can walk away now. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, this guy. And I was like, oh, right, he actually wants help. Uh, oh, God. I guess I better do it now. So I walk on the bus. And I don't know what I'm expecting, right? I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have to fucking shout some guy. Maybe this guy's being violent. Right, okay. It's going to be a fight. Great. <laughs> I get on the bus. and realise the guy shouting to is sort of an old guy. He looked, He's in a suit, sort of old, very British is how I can describe him. I don't know if he's necessarily rich. rich. I don't think he is. He's just sort of very British, you know, low newspapers, suit and a, a little briefcase, you know, this sort of floppy kind of grey hair and he's all going oh I just wanted to sit on the bus it turns out what happened this guy um, the bus was was wasn't on wasn't open yet but he pressed the emergency doors and just walked on and sat down and the bus driver was shouting at him like oh, you could be a terrorist you could be a terrorist and I thought right all that stuff I've been thinking about on the tube better fucking practice what I'm preaching eh <laughs> This little philosophy, I might as well fucking use it, right? So I thought my granddad, we always saw the best in people. He could always bring out the best in people as well. He'd tell you stories, people love people in a bad mood. He could charm anyone. He could charm teeth out of a crocodile, that sort of guy. So I thought, all right, instead of getting all angry and shouting and dragging this old man off a bus, <laughs> I'll talk to him and see what I can do. Right? And the guy bust over shouting, he was obviously just, like, get off the bus, get off the bus. And the old man was just like, no one's listening to me. I looked at him, he was like, will you listen to me? He's not listening. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, what's going on? And he was saying, oh, it's cold. I've had health problems. I've had a heart attack. don't feel very well. Just want to come sit down on the bus, right? Sort of seems reasonable, okay? But he was being kind of rude to the bus driver about it, not dealing with it in the right way. But then, to be fair, the bus driver was also just shouting very loud. And the bus driver was like, you just got on the bus, I don't know who he is. Just press the button, this is my bus, you can't just break into my bus, I wouldn't just walk into your office. So let's try to see both sides of it. And then it's like, all right, I'll deal with this. I guess you got to try and make both people feel like they've been listened to, right? And then try and find a middle ground where you can, you know, just dissipate the anger a little bit, you know, just smooth things over 
And so I kept listening. And they kept bitching about each other, right? To the old man, he was like, well, keep saying the same thing over and over again. I don't know how it gets on in life, all this stuff. And then the bus driver was like, what's he doing, this crazy old man? And every time they kept saying it in my head, I was like, dude, you're not helping, right? Could you both stop and stop the other one because you're making my job harder right now. <laughs> and I kept talking and talking to both of them, right? And I, I was like, okay, maybe this guy just needs to know someone cares. So I was like, look, do you need me to get in an ambulance? Are you feeling that bad, you know? Is there someone you want me to call for you? Maybe I can get you a cup of tea. And I just try to coax him off the bus. Like, can I just, could you just get off the bus for a minute? And the bus driver, you know, was just like, ah, this, this is my job. And the rules are the rules. And I was like, yeah, no, I get it. I was like, you know, you've got to do your job. So you're sort of in the middle of going like, yeah, I understand you. And I understand you. <laughs> Hoping they don't go, wait. How can you understand him and me? Surely we disagree. Just hoping they, they plaster over that bit, right? Try and bring them together. Finally, after talking to the guy, every time he kept sort of insulting the bus driver, and I kept in my head, like, shut up. Right, you're not helping me here, man. <laughs> Finally, you know, coaching him, and he was getting off the bus slow and bus driver i could see he was about to be like get off get off now and i looked at him and i was just like just give me a sec give me a second he's walking it's very slow and he did and i was like look i'll make a deal like if he gets off the bus now you'll let him back on when you in a few minutes and the bus is ready you don't know who checks you'll let him back on and the guy he was like yeah i'll let him back on and i was like look he's gonna let you on in a few minutes right if there's someone you want me to call for you or whatever let me know i can help you out right they get off the bus and I'm like, oh, they're off. It's sorted now. Okay. The bus drives in his checks. And I'll check this old man. Are you right? You're calling one. He's like, blah, 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 blah. blah. I don't know, some, some stuff. And then another bus comes. He's like, oh, it's, this one's here. I might as well get that. And I'm like, okay. It's like, go your way. Still trying to be the reasonable guy. And he gets on the bus. And he's oh, on this other bus. And he starts talking to this bus driver like, how long do you have to wait? I mean, why can't we just get on complaining about the other bus driver to this bus driver? And I just said that I was getting on the train. I didn't need another bus, right? But I felt, right, I've got to wait. <laughs> I've got to wait and see if things are right. i got to make sure he doesn't piss off. The old man doesn't piss off another bus driver. The bus driver doesn't go nuts and not let the old man on and cause more problems. So I was just standing there waiting, right? Waiting for the, for the bus driver to get his bus ready and turn the lights back on. These other people complaining, like, oh, he was taking a long time. We was delayed because of that. And I was like, oh, you know, he's having a hard day. We've got to, you know, get through it and stuff. It's like, what oh, we all do. And I was like, these old ladies. And I tried to smile at it and stuff. And in my head being like, look, don't you start as well, all right? I don't, <laughs> I'm trying to keep the peace. I'm trying to throw oil on the bloody flames, all right? <laughs> and I waited. Pastor have turned the light on, right? And then... The old man was still chewing the ear off the other bus driver. And he saw the bus was back on, so he got off the bus. He walked over, and he got on on the back, luckily, right? I was really worried he'd get on the front where the bus driver is, because it's one of those new room masters or whatever. And I was like, oh, he's going to walk by and say something stupid, isn't he? He's going to insult him, and then the bus driver's going to get angry. And then, you know, I'm going to be stuck here and miss my train, right? <laughs> I know I could have just left them to it, but I thought if you're going to try and do something good, don't just sort of 
fuck off <laughs> when it can all go shit again. I got the oh my god the back, sat down, the buster ever looked at me, give me a thumbs up and a little bit of like oh that guy's ever look, but it's all right. Bus went away, and I was like right fuck now I gotta get my train. <laughs> and I'm running to my train because I thought I'm gonna be the good Samaritan all of a sudden. Right to my train, get on, and then I, right, I get on the first carriage. Then I'm gonna run to the end, right? Or walk to the end. Once I'm on it, it's fine. I've got like a minute literally to get on before the train goes. And the door's not opening. All right, what? All right, next carriage. Door's not opening. And I keep carriage and carriage, no doors. And I was like, is it about to go? Have I missed it? But there's no one on. So what's going on? And then I realized there's a sign really far down the platform that says, uh, front of the train is here. And I'm like, oh, it's like a decoy train. <laughs> and I'm running. I'm like, I've got to get on this train, right? Because I don't want to be in a mood afterwards. And I'm like, <clears throat> I hope someone will miss my fucking train was what's the point. <laughs> got on the train. And it was all all right. And that's it. That's the end of that story. Thanks for bearing with me. Just, you know, for trying to spread some hope. Because I have done a couple of podcasts where I'm just sort of ranting and raving. So I thought, let's change it up. Let's do a bit of Mr. Rogers instead of Mr. Robot. And tomorrow, back to Mr. Robot, I guess. <laughs> That's enough of the pseudo-philosophy. Let's get some silliness. Some more topic requests. Peter Merriman again. His topic request today, right, is uh, pool tables or snooker tables with wobbly, wobbly legs, right? Not you've got wobbly legs while you're playing pool. No, the table. There's a wobbly leg on it, right? Which I think is the sort of stuff you only really notice on a snooker table when you're playing really badly. It's one of those things you notice... When you're playing really badly and you get beaten, right? And you're looking for an excuse. You're like, oh, it's not me. It's that, it's that leg. It's a table leg. Yeah. It's wobbly on this end. So I bet I bet, I bet it's slightly. The ball's just rolling in for him. There's no skill. It's a table leg. It's not that I'm shit at snooker. <laughs> oh, I love snooker, though. I used to play with my dad, right? When I was a kid. And my dad, in like the 80s, used to be a bit of a snooker hustler. You know, he played, he used to tell me, like, hey, you know, you play snooker, I'd let them <laughs> win a few frames, you know, so they feel confident, and then they bet more money, and then they clear the table. <laughs> so this is the guy who taught me snooker. And the problem is, of learning anything from someone who's really good at it, at first, I'll try and be encouraging by sort of maybe playing a less of a good game, right? Not holding something back just so you can get into it, right? But then I get bored. That was the thing with dad. He'd sort of start letting me play. And I was, I'm dyspraxic, right? And my thing is, I can be all right at snooker if I play every day, right? For years on end. Just every day if I played snooker for years on end. Eventually, right? I would be average. That's <laughs> I'm playing with dad, but then in the end, I just get bored and just clear the table. He's like, <laughs> as soon as I'm like, oh, I'm doing all right now, I'll put the ball there. And then my dad would just be like, all right, right, table cleared, great, thanks, Paul Newman. <laughs> Here's a request for my mum, and uh, she wanted me to talk about um, <laughs> dogs that won't let you sleep for the night and take over the bed so you end up sleeping with waste. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's the thing. I know some people are like, oh, don't let a dog on the bed or whatever. 
But I also know those people say, oh, I don't let the dog in the bed. But I also know that they they do. They go, oh, I'm not going to let the dog in the bed. And the dog jumps in the bed, looks at them with little dog eyes, and they're like, oh, I love you. All right, you can sleep on the bed. Uh, but she's talking about my dog, Biggie. <laughs> and he, he does this classic thing, right? I've seen him sleep. Even if you're on the couch or whatever, he'll just sort of stretch his legs out, sort of. It looks like he's having a stretch mid-sleep, but really he's just sort of pushing you aside like, this is my bed, and if I pretend I'm still asleep, then you won't want to wake me up. <laughs> I've seen him sometimes just jump on a, someone's bed, right? Even if it's not invited, he'll just jump on the bed and go right onto the pillow in the middle. It's almost as if he knows like, the perfect angle to, to sleep where he gets more room. <laughs> like that sort of diagonal angle that dogs can get away with. But if you try and do it with your partner, they'll kick you in the middle of the night. <laughs> right, yesterday was Lee Van Cleef's birthday. And I forgot to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about Lee Van Cleef. I'm going to recommend some Lee Van Cleef films. You've probably seen him in, um, for a few dollars more, The Good, Bad and the Ugly. And the story behind that was, you know, he used to be in small parts sort of playing heavies and stuff in old westerns. He's in some John Ford films. He's in High Noon. He plays one of the main villains in High, Vo- High Noon. High Voon? <laughs> in High Vaughn. In High Noon. And he was working as a painter, apparently. He was sort of out of Hollywood. And they tried to ask a few actors to play this sort of older supporting role to Clay Eastwood a few dollars more. Like Charles Bronson turned down, James Coburn. I mean, a lot of the actors that they asked um, to play the role in Fistful of Dollars before they asked Clay Eastwood, they asked again for this and they took all turned him down. And then they thought, oh, Lee Van Cleef, and he'd been out of work for a while. I brought him in and it started his career again. And he started, you know, he did all these spaghetti westerns, uh, Sabata, which is such a silly but great fun film. It's sort of meant to be like um, a spaghetti western sort of James Bond film. Like a 70s James Bond film, he's got like all these weird gadgets and stuff. The trailer is like, this is Sabata. He has a rifle that never misses. A gun that shoots two ways. One of those steak knives that used to advertise it cuts through cans. (laughs) Oh, that's a fun film. Um, Another one I recommend is The Big Gun Down. There's a really cool restoration of it out as well really cool western it was meant to be a italian sort of political drama the plot was originally about a policeman he told if he sets someone up for a murder they'll help him out with money in his political career and they turned it into a western it's quite cool and if you've seen um inglorious bastards the tarantino film then um a lot of the music in that the ennio morricone score a lot of the core old spaghetti western score in that is from the big gun dancers. It was an awesome score. So check it out. It's a really fun film. I really like it. So there you go. Happy birthday to Lee Van Cleef. Uh, passed away a good few years ago, but it was would have been his birthday yesterday. So there you go. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about Ivan Passer. He passed away today. Awesome Chet New Wave filmmaker. Really big fan. He passed away today. I'll talk about it tomorrow. Just, you know, because uh, I'm worried tomorrow I won't have any more film recommendations and stuff. I've got to spread them out, all right? <laughs> right. Lots more I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow, all right? I'm going to have a nice little sleep. Um, you're probably already in bed or you're out getting drunk. 
Friday, oh, it's the best night of the week, isn't it? Because Friday night, you feel like, oh, I've got the whole week in the head, finally free. You try and release all that tension from work. You're like, oh, it's Friday. We've been working all week. And now I'm like, yeah, no alarm tomorrow. Unless you've got kids and then, well, you're screwed really, aren't you? But if you don't have kids, you're like, yeah, I go sleep in. Maybe a few beers. And Saturday night's all right. But then, you know, Sunday's to come. And Sunday night, oh, it's just dress rehearsal for Monday, isn't it? It's just, oh, do the ironing. Oh, I've got to go work tomorrow. Oh, God. Uh, so it doesn't really feel like a full day off. Friday, you're like, yeah, I'm never getting back to work. And then Sunday, you're like, oh, no, I am, aren't I? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not trying to tease you, but tomorrow I will talk about my comedy, all the questions I said yesterday, uh, and all the n- new ones I've added as well. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Ivan Passer. That'll be fun. Um, Extinction Rebellion, just a quick thing. Just noticed that apparently police are trying to scramble to remove these uh, pamphlets they sent out to schools. It was from the anti, like the anti-terrorist organisations, anti-terrorist police. It was meant to be to warn schools to prevent kids from getting into extremist ideologies, right? Um, but they put Extinction Rebellion up there with like far-right violent groups. So now people are saying, uh, "Is that a good idea?" It's like, yeah, make sure your kids don't know <laughs> that the world's going to end. There are some people trying to stop it. And I have mixed feelings with Extinction Rebellion. They don't always do things the best way. But I also I think most of us can probably agree that the, it's probably best not to um, put trying to save us all and humanity from burning um, by treating it as if it's the same as throwing a brick through a fucking... Greek chip shop because you want them to go home <laughs> right I'm off to bed nighty night have sweet dreams alright don't let the bed bugs bite because they will <laughs> then you have a horrible skin rash and you realise your landlord treats you like shit because you're like why the fuck have I got bed bugs or maybe you're like why the fuck did I get that sofa in from the street I went oh free sofa that's a great idea now bed bugs <laughs> So yeah, don't let them bite. You don't really have much choice, to be honest. <laughs> Hope that helps. All right, don't let the bosses grind you down. Let's do this again sometime. Specifically, Saturday. See you then. Bye.